Letter ninety seven of Letters from Egypt by Lady Lucy Duff Gordon. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. To Mrs. Austin, Luxor, January twenty sixth, eighteen sixty seven. Dearest Mutter, I must betray dear Sheikh Yusuf's confidence and tell you his love story. A young fellow ran away with a girl he loved a short time ago, she having told him that her parents wanted to marry her to another, and that she would go to such a spot for water, and he must come on a horse, beat her, and carry her off. The beating saves the maiden's blushes. Well, the lad did it, and carried her to Salamea, where they were married, and then they went to Sheikh Yusuf to get him to conciliate the family, which he did. He told me the affair, and I saw he sympathized much with the runaways. Ah, he said, lady, it is love, and that is terrible. I can tell thee love is dreadful indeed to bear. Then he hesitated and blushed, and went on, I felt it once, lady. It was the will of God that I should love her who is now my wife. Thirteen years ago I loved her and wished to marry her, but my father and her grandfather, my uncle the Sharif, had quarrelled, and they took her and married her to another man. I never told any one of it, but my liver was burning and my heart ready to burst for three years. But when I met her I fixed my eyes on the ground for fear she should see my love, and I said to myself, O oh, Yusuf, God has afflicted thee, praise be unto him. Do thou remember thy blood, Sharif, and let thy conduct be that of the Beni Azra, who, when they are thus afflicted, die rather than sin, for they have the strongest passion of love and the greatest honor. And I did not die, but went to Cairo to the Gamal el Azhar and studied, and afterwards I married twice, as thou knowest, but I never loved any but that one, and when my last wife died the husband of this one had just divorced her to take a younger and prettier one, and my father desired me then to take her, but I was half afraid, not knowing whether she would love me, but praise be to God I consented, and behold, poor thing, she also had loved me in like manner. I thought when I went to see her that she was unusually radiant with new-married happiness, and she talked of El Sheikh with singular pride and delight, and embraced me and called me mother most affectionately. Is this not a pretty piece of regular Arab romance like Gamem? My boat has gone up to-day with two very nice Englishmen in her. Their young Maltese dragoman, aged twenty-four, told me his father often talked of the commissioners and all they had done, and how things were changed in the island for the better. Everything spiritual and temporal has been done for the boat's safety in the cataract. Urgent letters to the Maon el Badr, and him of Aswan to see the men, and plenty of prayers and vows to Abul Hazaz on behalf of the property of the lady, or Kurzweg, our boat, as she is commonly called in Luxor. Here we have the other side of the misery of the Candian business. In Europe, of course, the obvious thing is the suffering of the Cretans. But really I am more sorry for the poor fellow lads who are dragged away to fight in a quarrel they had no hand in raising, and with which they have no sympathy. The times suggest that the Sultan should relinquish the island, and that has been said in many an Egyptian hut long before. The Sultan is worn out, and the Muslims here know it, and they say it would be the best stay for the Arabs if he were driven out. That, after all, a Turk never was the true Amir el Moamin, commander of the faithful. Only in Europe people talk and write as if it were all Muslim versus Christian, and the Christians were all oppressed, and the Muslims all oppressors. I wish they could see the domineering of the Greeks and Maltese as Christians. The Englishman domineers as a free man and a Briton, which is different, 
and that is the reason why the Arabs wish for English rule, and would dread that of Eastern Christians. Well they may, for if ever Greeks do reign in Stamboul, the sufferings of the Muslims will satisfy the most eager fanatic that ever cursed Mahond. I know nothing of Turkey, but I have seen and heard enough to know that there are plenty of other divisions besides that of Christian and Muslim. Here in Egypt it is clear enough, it is Arab versus Turk, and the cop siding with the stronger for his interest, while he rather sympathizes with his brother Fella. At all events the Copt don't want other Christians to get power. He would far rather have a Muslim than a heretic ruler, above all the hated Greek. The Englishman he looks on as a variety of Muslim, a man who washes, has no pictures in his church, who has married bishops, and above all, who does not fast from all that has life for half the year. And this heresy is so extreme as not to give offence unless he tries to convert. The Pasha's sons have just been up the river. They ordered a reading of the Koran at the tomb of Abul Hajjaj, and gave every alim sixpence. We have not left off chafing, as Maurice would say, Sheikh Allah Uddin, the muezzin, and sundry others on this superb bakshish, and one old fiki never knows whether to laugh, to cry, or to scold, when I ask to see the shawl and tarboosh he has bought with the presence of pashas. Yusuf and the Kadi, too, had been called on to contribute baskets of bread to the steamer, so that their sixpences were particularly absurd. The little boy whose father died is still with Ababda, who will not let him travel to Cairo till the weather is warmer and they find a safe person to be kind to him. Rachma says, please God, he will go with the sit, perhaps. Hassan has consoled him with sugar-cane and indulgence, and if I lose Mabruk and the little boy likes me, he may fall into my hands as Ahmed has done. I hear he is a good boy, but a perfect savage. That, however, I find makes no difference. In fact, I think they learn faster than those who have ways of their own. So I see Terence was a nigger. I would tell Rachma so if I could make him understand who Terence was, and that he, Rachma, stood in need of any encouragement, but the worthy fellow never imagines that his skin is in any way inferior to mine. End of letter 97 Read by Sibella Denton All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.